With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time to turn off the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horrible horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode, I delve in the world of terrible horror movies. Why do I do it? I can't really explain it, but I love these horrible movies. So if you've made a horror movie on your phone, or made your own special effects MacGyver style, please send it my way. Now what do you get when you take a long-running franchise, you throw everything out the window, and you just have fun with it? Why, you get Jason X. Why, hello everyone and welcome to another wonderful episode of the Terrible Terror Podcast. I'm going to apologize a little bit in the beginning. It seems like I do that a lot lately in the beginning of these episodes. But I have run amok of a cold and so my voice is not 100%. But I still wanted to do this podcast for you guys. And uh, wow, we have one of a doozy this week. See, I could have gone back and I could have done any of the other Jason films. But after seeing Jason Takes Manhattan... I really needed a pick-me-up, to be honest. It's kind of been a weird mix. I mean, you go from Alien Resurrection uh, to Jason Takes Manhattan, where Alien Resurrection was just silly in its own right, and Jason Takes Manhattan, where it's pretty much boring most of the fucking movie. Uh, and I needed something more of a pick-me-up. Now, mind you, I do have nostalgia filters on this movie, but I want to kind of give you an, a little bit of insight what happened in between. See, in 1993, they decided to make Jason Goes to Hell and call it The Final Friday. And that was supposed to be it. It was supposed to be the end of it. He returns to Camp Crystal Lake. Uh, and then, you know, he's being set in a trap by the FBI uh, to avoidly to, to send him to hell to destroy his body. So that's supposed to be the end of Jason Voorhees. And that's all we're going to see. And this is in 93. Now, 2001 comes along. Instead of just rebooting Friday the 13th, uh, kind of like what we recently did with Friday the 13th, they decided, what the fuck? Jason's supposed to be dead. 
we're just going to make a random sequel. We're going to make the 10th installment. And what could be better for a 10th installment than to send Jason into space? And into the future. Which, honestly, it weirdly works. Um, And, like I said, for me, there's a lot of uh, nostalgia filter on this movie. Because this is one of those films where... You know, it's been a long time since we've seen uh, Friday the 13th movie. We've seen Jason Voorhees anywhere. And, uh, you know, coming... It's weird because everybody... Well, I wouldn't say everybody, but the the two main horror slasher guys from the 80s that I remember personally are always going to be Freddy and Jason. And it's weird because Freddy took a an awesome turn with Wes Craven's New Nightmare. That movie's fantastic. If you guys haven't seen that, please do. I believe I've talked about it before at least a little bit. But that was basically after, you know, Freddy had been buried for a while uh, and gotten really cheesy. Wes Craven stepped in and said, nope, I'm going to take this back. And made a fantastic movie that has great special effects. And it is weird because it's rooted in both uh, the real world, quote unquote, and the fictional world of a Nightmare on Elm Street series. And uh, I thought it's it definitely was returned to form. Uh, and you even have Robert England in there portraying Freddy again, but not being that cheesy Freddy that he was or he had become. Uh, which, honestly, I still love. And they're still great films uh, to watch. But Jason kind of went downhill. Uh, you know, he gained all these weird stories and uh you know and then just really became like i'm just gonna kill a bunch of people constantly and you know even though it's rated r and it becomes rated r primarily because usually there's some type of nudity in it or there's one scene that's really kind of gory maybe not as bad as we would think today but maybe in you know 1980s standards 1990s standards it's pretty gory uh especially if you're a young kid watching these films as i was so here comes jason x and they went a completely other direction with it where i'd say you know and then i have to compare these two franchises because like i say, these are the two that i primarily grew up with but jason x is so out there Especially for the time. Especially for 2001. I remember seeing the previews for this when I went and saw movies. And I was like, oh god, why? Why would you do this? And it actually took me a while until it hit uh, the sci-fi channel of all places. For me to actually first see this with uh, you know, not with some of the censorship that was there. Uh, and it's not anything that's bad in terms of the violence. Because of course, you know, where we live, they never censor the violence. They always censor the nudity. Uh, but I digress on this, but when I finally saw it in all its glory, um, on a DVD, uh, I was really impressed, you know, back in that day when, you know, I was a lot younger. Uh, but it's not, the nostalgia figure glasses, uh, definitely have hindered some of this movie for me. So, Without further ado, let's just go in and let's uh, talk about Jason X. So, as you go through the title sequences, and this is one of those few films where the title sequences start, like, right away. Like, you get the Paramount logo, and then all of a sudden it looks like you're in hell, but you kind of find out that you're actually inside Jason's mind. Um, 
it seems like he's been trapped again uh, inside a research facility. And this could be something to do with the end of Jason Goes to Hell. You know, um, he's supposed to go to hell and the, the government's trying to capture him and stop him from killing everybody, right? So I guess this is kind of a representation of that in the last film. Maybe he actually has gone to hell. But it's weird because the title credits, they keep kind of zooming in and out of him. They focus on doctors working on him. Uh, and you keep going inside of his brain is which kind of what you get inside of the whole mind core. And then you go outside to the real world and everything that the doctor is working on, then back on in into the brain and in and out. And it's kind of confusing. I guess it's this weird, like Jason DNA. Is this movie becoming alien now? I really hope not. Well, and then you see Jason, and he's kind of locked up in a very open room. He's not locked up in a cage, he's just covered in chains. And that, of course, after everything that you've ever known about this guy, and supposedly the universe knows about this guy, in this world of Jason, uh, for Friday the 13th, I should say, you would know that there's no way in hell that that's going to keep him, uh, you know, well away from killing anybody uh, in your nice little base. So the guard that's watching him is still a little freaked out, and I can understand why. He decides that he's going to cover Jason's face with a towel or a really shitty-looking blanket. And, of course, you know, that's going to protect him from Jason. We then go back into the hallway where we meet a couple of our... Well, we meet one of our main characters, and she's talking to... Uh, a scientist who, of course, is trying to utilize Jason. What are you doing here? I'm taking the specimen. Well, you can't. I haven't prepped the cryostasis chamber. <sighs> I don't want him frozen, Rowan. I want him soft. We've already discussed this. Yeah, well, I had to go over your head. I'm moving him to our Scranton facility. Dr. Wimmer, you can't risk transporting him through open country. This isn't open for discussion. His unique ability to regenerate lost and damaged tissue. I and mean, it just, it just cries out for more research. And you're willing to risk the deaths of innocent civilians if he escapes. Yes. So, what I also should say that this is now the Crystal Lake Research Facility, and it happens to be the year 2010. So, nine years from when the movie was made is when Jason is finally stopped and captured. Not back in 1993, which is weird. Okay. Uh, and that's uh, Rowan. Ugh, I can never say her name right, especially with the cold. It's Rowan. And uh, she, you know, is very aware that Jason is not the one to be fucked with. So it's time to just fucking freeze his ass and be done with it. Until maybe one day you can figure out how exactly to stop him. Because you can't. And of course the scientist here, he wants to utilize Jason's special cellular makeup... Uh, Again, I, I swear I have fucking heard this plot before. Like, these same things that are going on. It's another movie. I know it. What movie is it? I can't fucking put my mind on it. Well, anyway, so they, they argue back and forth. And then they go and uh, the army guys and the scientists go to take Jason away. And when they take off the blanket that was on top of him, of course... He ain't there. Who's there but the poor dead cadet that was watching him? Aw. That's what you get for being the bottom of the totem pole. You get killed by fucking Jason. So, he starts slaughtering everybody. 
And he gets a nice, good kill on uh, the scientist guy. He actually throws like a javelin through his stomach, which, again, in a Jason movie, we've seen, I don't know how many fucking times. And I think even in Jason 8, like I had said, in Jason 8 Manhattan, they did it twice. Twice in the same fucking movie. Same fucking move. And now they're doing it here in Jason X. So we're already seven minutes into this movie, and he's killed about ten different fucking people. Now, at least... Uh, you know, when he starts to go after Rowan, he she knows how to hide and how to kind of get away from Jason. And so she hides, and then all of a sudden she pops up and yells and starts fucking blasting him. And at first I thought, this is the dumbest fucking move ever, because you're perfectly hidden, Jason wasn't going to find you, at least I couldn't tell, and you're just fucking letting yourself go out there? You're just like, hey, look at me, I'm here, woo, won't you kill me? Oh, kill me! Um... <laughs> Yes, that's Mickey Mouse saying, please kill me, Jason. Uh, and so uh, Rowan actually did something smart, which is great for a person in a Jason slasher film. She actually blows the shit out of him by shooting him with uh, what seems to be kind of like a shotgun, hand, not handgun, shotgun uh, automatic rifle type of thing. Uh, and ends up blocking or uh, shooting him into the cryogenic freeze chamber that you want to put him in in the first place. And if they just listened, maybe they could have still taken him. But if they froze him, you know, then transport him, everything would have been fine. Uh, so she's she does do one stupid thing, which is lean her back against the tube that Jason's in. Because Jason takes that advantage to take his machete and fucking go through the steel and fucking inner workings of that chirogenic machine and stab her right through it. I mean, fucking through the door. I mean, that's the power that Jason Voorhees has. And of course, this releases the chirogenic gases throughout the room, which ends up freezing both Jason and poor Rowan here. Now we go uh, into the future, and there's an unspecified amount of time right now that they say this is. They don't really even tell you, hey, this is in the future. All you know is that she's been frozen. Excuse me. Uh, And she's, uh, you know, they've both been frozen, I should say. And now this is the future. Uh, And you only really know that because you see how kind of fucked up uh, the Earth is. So this group of people dressed like fucking Jawas come into the room and they try to figure out exactly what this contraption is someone want to tell me what that is it's like a big kind of frozen storage thing <sighs> yeah okay it's some type of big aren't you from the future can't can't you realize what that thing actually is hey look it's a big frozen thing that has people in there I mean, is that supposed to be our stoner comic relief? Uh, So they managed to get it open, and of course, they see Jason there. And they're looking at him, and they're kind of in awe, and they wonder what that thing on his face is. What the hell is that? Humanoid. Organic composition is unclear. Can someone tell me what's on his face? Uh, some kind of 20th century carbon filtration unit? It's a hockey mask. Very good, Cineron. What's a hockey mask? Facial armor. Used in a sport outlawed in 2024. Wait. No hockey? Aw, oh, fuck the future. I can't believe they would get rid of that. Oh, it's a violent fucking sport. It's no more violent than any other sport that's out there. Well, maybe except for baseball. 
Baseball's kind of slow and boring at the same time. They make some other really kind of cheesy jokes about everything that's going on around there. And, uh, I, I'm still upset about the goddamn hockey thing. And they actually run across uh, Rowan's body on the floor. And they think that they can actually try to bring her back. It's perfectly preserved. Cell crystallization is at 25%. 25%? Suggest extensive nanotech and phase one cell reconstruction. Wait, wait a minute. Are you... Are you saying that... That we can bring her back to life? Yes. Meanwhile, the stoner kid is in there and he's fucking around with Jason, kind of poking at him, moving him. And Jason manages to rock back and forth and then fall forward... <laughs> And cut the fuck off the stoner kid's arm. I mean, Jason's still fucking up people in the future and he's fucking frozen right now. I can't believe this shit. It's a decent effect that you get when he cuts off his arm. Uh, but they don't seem so worried about it. And it's kind of weird. You know, in this situation, most places you would think, Oh shit, I lost an arm. Oh no, I'm going to bleed to death. And they just say, here, take some stoner meds and you'll be okay for a little bit. And we'll put your arm back on when we get back on the ship. Maybe... Not fuck the future? Huh. No, no, uh, you got rid of hockey, fuck the future. And everything looks like shit on the outside. I mean, the brown planet's completely brown, and it looks like a complete and utter wasteland. So the crew packs everybody up, and uh, again, you get to see a landscape of everything, and it looks like sci-fi channel level of uh, special effects here. And this is for a film that was released in theaters. I mean, not many theaters, but it still was a theatrical release, and it looks this horrible. But though, I have to say one thing, maybe for the time it was a little different, but because it kind of looks like current day sci-fi channel uh, movies, well, no, no, not when those one things show up, and we'll, we'll get to that a little later on. Uh, some of the effects are still really crappy, uh, even for the time. So we get into the ship, and we get to meet the creepiest of all creepsters, uh, who looks familiar, uh, but I, I really can't put a, a face. I mean, I can put a face on him, but I can't tell you what roles the guy's actually been in. Uh, and he's the captain of the ship, and he starts talking all creepy about the girl, about Rowan that they picked up. And really, the, the I should say, too, <laughs> that I forgot earlier, that when the, the title credits were rolling, you got a bunch of names flashing across the screen. And, of course, the only one that I could recognize was the guy that plays... Uh, Jason, because this is his last and final film that we're we're talking about here, but nobody else in the credits. It's just a wave of titles of people that you're never going to hear from again. And actually, one guy's kind of surprised me, and we'll again talk about him in a second as well. So we get to meet uh, a Paul Giamatti stand-in as the engineer, and uh, he gets told that uh, you know, hey, people are coming. Let's prepare everything. Uh, there's some more talk about Rowan being single and back uh, from the future. And once she and Jason have now arrived on the ship, they're transported directly to the medical bay. Which, of course, uh, there's some nice little quips about them. Any idea how long she's been down? 4.55 centuries. This one hell of a wake-up call. I'm bitchy as hell when I wake up. Did you just wake up? Ha ha. Ha 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 That's the caliber level of jokes in this movie, everybody. Uh, at this point, we're also introduced to a couple of different people. So there's three students, uh, Sunaran, Janessa, and uh, Azrael, as well as led by the professor, 
uh, geez, I'm just gonna call him Low. It's like Braithwaite, but they never really say everybody's uh, names in this film. We also are introduced to the android robot KM14, uh, and they they're the ones that have found everybody and brought everybody on the ship. When we get onto the ship, that's when we get to meet badass Sergeant Brodsky. Uh, and this is weird because I recognize this guy from somewhere. Uh, and turns out he's actually been in quite a few films. And the most recognizable place that you will say, aha, I know exactly who this is, is the messenger from 300. And that was kind of the weird thing for me. Um, I was just like wow of course that's where he's the guy that gets kicked into the pit if you don't remember uh and he's all over the trailers and everything's not for very long but the other role that he played that all of a sudden i was like oh god it is him too and they actually modeled the character after him uh is dead space and he's the captain uh of the ship that when you first go into the uh you know the ishimura uh uh, and so it was a weird situation to be like, oh crap, that is him. And he's a more predominant figure in that game than he is in most movies that he's in. So once inside the lab, they start spouting a bunch of scientific type jargon to make them seem like they're really fucking smart. And this is really fucking futuristic. I hate when people do this or when movies do this and they just start like, oh, the diametric, uh, Alberol cube, uh, or the... You know, make it sound like it's supposed to be something really strange and really odd and futuristic. And then it's just like, okay, well, it doesn't matter. Why don't you just be straightforward? Because it's not always going to be like that in the future. I mean, I understand that if somebody came over here in our current time and heard some of the things that we said, you know, where... You know, oh, well, you got to take the Ethernet cable and you got to plug it into the router. And then when you plug it into the router, you got to plug it in the back of your computer. And then that's going to give you an Internet signal. But then you could use, you know, Wi-Fi as well. Uh, and you can either have a 2.6 gigahertz or you can have a 5 gigahertz line. And, you know, the 5 gigahertz is better for cards that have an AC at the end of it. You know, those type of things, I think, that would really go and get some people from the 1920s. Or I guess if I'd say 200 years in, in the past. Uh, but it's just kind of like, it's jargon that we know now that we know is made up and that really drives me fucking batty. So they start working on, uh, poor Rowan here. And, uh, meanwhile, they wondered what to do with Jason. Adrian, good. I need you in lab two. You found something, didn't you? Two viables. Two in what condition? Perfect. We're attempting reanimation with one of them. Great. What can I do? Use Stoney and Kinza. No, they're second year. They're going to slow me down. Just walk them through it, okay? Run a complete structural scan, log them in properly, and put them in stasis. I'll check back with you later. Fine. So, in the meantime, while they're working on Rowan, Stoner Dude gets his arm back. He gets it reattached. And then they start, uh, you know, she starts working on examining Jason while they start bringing Rowan back to life. And, of course, there's a weird comment in the middle of when they find some stuff about Jason that I don't quite understand why it's in there. He's a big boy. I bet he's hung like a mammoth. Really? You really gotta talk about Jason's junk? Is that something that we really need to do now in future installments of the Friday the 13th franchise? Hey, I bet she's got a penis like a fucking donkey. Like, why? why? Why do we need to know? Why do we even have to think about it? And they talked about earlier about his small brain as well. How is he able to function with such a small brain? Because he probably really doesn't have anything in there. Or, you know, he's actually still a kid at heart. 
And these two kids, by the way, they are so sexually frustrated, it's ridiculous. Because they keep going after each other, and they keep making stupid, stupid comments to each other. And then they, like, basically might as well start having sex on top of fucking Jason. I mean, get it out of the way. Have sex on top of him, and he'll fucking slice your throat open. And, and, you know, when he comes back to life, right there and then. And it's weird, because it seems like that when those two start getting it on, that's when Jason kind of starts becoming unfrozen. Like, he knows premarital sex is happening, so he needs to come back to life to fix it. Also, I want to try to talk about the outfits that everybody's wearing, and also the the women in this movie. Because every single woman in this movie is some type of, like, bombshell. I mean, I'm not saying that everybody, it's their type, but for the most part, they're all, like, sexy, sexy girls, you know? You go and you look at them and you're like, hey, that's an attractive lady. Versus, you know, a lot of other science fiction things like, oh, well, if you want to take Sigourney Weaver from Alien, for example, she's a rough and tumble type of lady. Not necessarily a sex symbol to me, but you look at all these people, they're all like, I guess they're horror cliches is exactly what they are. They're all just kind of sexy girls that are probably going to die for some sort of reason. Um, We'll see as it moves along. So she's wearing some, or they've put some type of like weird chainmail shit on top of uh, Rowan to help with, I guess, the nanobots that are going to come in. Great nanobots uh, that are going to fix her up. So after they do all their magic, they slowly bring her back to life, and she wakes up to the good old doctor in her face. Easy, easy. Vital signs are normal and strong. No shit. Hey, that was a pretty good punch there for just being woken up from the dead. So, that's a long-ass day assist, and they actually kind of tell her that she's been asleep for 450 years. 455, to be exact. Uh, And, you know, that's a long-ass stasis no matter how you look at it. And especially when you're coming from the year 2010 and now going to the year 2465, uh which I guess is supposed to be the shock to the viewers as well as to poor Rowan here, but it doesn't really look as futuristic as it could. Of course, again, you know, that's just with budget and what's kind of going on with the future. Uh, We then cut over to the professor, and he's talking to some random guy on a video phone about what he's found. We've got a gold mine. A box of DVDs is not a gold mine, I've told you. I can't move. Just look at the file. Two 400-year-old frozen specimens. One well-preserved. The other one. Are you ready for this? Up and walking around. 400 years old and walking around. Yeah. 455 years to be exact. Who cares? Who gives a shit? Yeah, who really gives a shit is what he ended that with. But the first thing I want to say about this is that he says an old box of DVDs. Now, if you kind of wanted to take the script and you wanted to make it uh, so that it'll work in other time periods as well, don't just say DVDs. I know you're not going to realize that the digital files are going to take over and there's going to be Blu-ray that's going to come out later and that's going to be a better quality disc or even HD DVD is going to come by in the middle and try to take over that reign until, you know, Sony makes their PlayStation 3, which causes the to be the cheapest Blu-ray player on the market. And also... Porn chooses Blu-ray over HD DVD. Uh, 
But you could have said just digital video uh, discs. You could have actually said what they were, you know, instead of using the term DVD. Because people might not realize that DVD, what it actually stands for. And that way you kind of preserve the text of your film, right? We go through this and we we can watch other sci-fi things and they have either stuff that's specific to their time frame, uh, you know, or... Smart ones don't try to mention old technology. It's like when you listen to a rap song, right? And I'm not knocking rap. Don't start with me right now. But when they go like, 1995, you know, to start a song, you listen back to it and you're like, all right, I know that song's fucking old. You know, it's the same thing with this movie. I know this movie's really dated because they're mentioning DVD. Well, they keep talking and, uh, you know, they find out that uh, there's a little bit of old news in there. People will pay huge money to see her. Let me ask you a question. Is this the first person you've reanimated? Of course not. How many people are out there today walking around, thought out, and looking good? Hundreds. Thousands. Maybe. But not 450 years old. She's nearly twice as old as anyone on the planet. 250, 450. What's the difference? Doctor, 100 years ago when reanimation was more unpredictable... Sure, maybe. But now it's old news. Okay, so to the viewer itself, this is fantastic. Because we're kind of in that same state as Rowan is, right? Because she's so old now that it it's weird that somebody can be brought back to life. But to them, it's old fucking news, and I get it. And I guess, you know, he's trying to scavenge planets for old artifacts or old technology and then have whoever this dude is, his like black market seller, to to sell it to get money, right? And so it kind of is this weird place. Like the guy needs money. He wants to do something with her. He's trying to actually kind of sell her. Uh, and then, of course, the old man here in this conversation realizes something about the other body. The other viable is marked Voorhees. It's not Jason Voorhees, is it? What do you know about him? Jason Voorhees. He killed nearly 200 people and simply disappeared without a trace. But of the right buyer, he could be worth uh, a fortune. I've got him frozen right here on the ship. You work out a list of ownership? No list. He's my find. He's, he's mine. What about your students? Well, they're students. The educational experience will be enough. Doctor, doctor, you are one son of a bitch. Soon to be one rich son of a bitch. Okay, I figured it out. It is fucking aliens. And it's not just fucking, like, aliens in terms of using Jason as a weapon. Right? I said it earlier. This film, this plot, it is fucking aliens. It's about scientists or this professor here that want to use uh, a foreign device, this case jason Voorhees, in in some sort of fashion and want to risk everything to maintain that status quo or to make in this case it's making money off of it okay and i can prove this again a little later on right but right now that's what it is this guy is hard on cash and he wants to make something out of jason he wants to make money out of him versus i'm not saying it's exactly the aliens trope but they want to take the xenomorph and they want to make it 
a weapon for them. They want to breed these guys when they shouldn't. They shouldn't do anything about it. They should just jettison them into space or fucking kill them or do whatever you want to do. So either you're going to get rid of, you got to get rid of either the aliens or Jason, but instead, you know, they want to keep it for whatever their means is the end to their means. And then it's going to cause havoc among everybody. Oh boy, this sucks. And then the other thing, how do you know about Jason Voorhees 455 fucking years into the future? That's bullshit. Like, were there written documents about him? People would have known that he was down there before. This had to be at a fucking underground CIA, like, you know, uh, government conspiracy to keep Jason Voorhees out of people's fucking hands. Because either they wanted, again, like the scientist in the beginning of the goddamn movie, wanted to use him for his fucking you know, growth regenerative skills, you know, somehow fucking Jason DNA is the fucking hottest thing ever. Just like God, alien resurrection were fucking Sigourney's DNA because she was half alien and half fucking human, you know, is what they were after as well to recreate and create a bunch more fucking xenomorphs in the future. Oh, it's, it's ridiculous. Like where, where in the books was it that they had, Oh my god, this is the tale of Jason Voorhees. You would think that it would be like a fantasy thing. You know, maybe I could get that. If it was like a fairy tale, like fantasy, like thing that's just passed on from generations. Never thought he was real. But he talks like he was real. Like this guy was actually a guy. And he must have been buried somewhere. And somebody would have fucking found him before 455 fucking years. Don't you think? They would have figured out where he was buried and gone after him. But no. It took this long. It took a bunch of fucking morons to come by and finally get him. But, uh, I digress. So, we move on a little bit more. There's a really, I don't want to say racy scene with the professor and one of the other students uh, where she uses a nipple clamp on him uh, to get a better grade. Uh, yeah, that's that's all I can say about it because it's really out of place and i thought this was a jason movie not some weird like uh, i shit i don't even know what the hell it could be then we also run upon uh the the two <laughs> we run to sunaron and km14 and he's putting like nipples on her cuz she doesn't have any and it's it's really weird. Look, KM, I don't think this is going to work. Why do you want those things anyways? Janessa has them. Well, Janessa's... Real? Yes. Let's not complicate things, all right? I like you just the way you are. I think you're perfect. Okay. So, let me get this straight. They made a joke about the fact that he's in love with her. And now they're doing this really awkward, like, romantic scene. And the actor that plays Sunaran really is a budget Matthew Perry. The way that he acts through the entire film is just watching fucking Chandler do what he does in Friends. I, I swear to God, he kind of looks like him. Uh, he definitely has a similar voice, and he acts that way through the entire film. And there's this really awkward relationship between these two that I don't really want to see go any further. Like, let's just leave it as is. Let's get past the magnet nipple scene and let's continue on with the film. We also meet up with uh, the professor after he's gotten his uh, giblets off with uh, his student. 
And he goes and brings some stuff into Rowan and starts to talk about Earth 2. I brought you something to eat. Not much longer and we'll be at Earth 2. Earth 2? What happened to Earth 1? It's uh, dead. The oceans, the soil, neither will sustain life. Can I do anything else for you? Okay. So they talk a little while longer and we kind of get a little more of a backstory of what Rowan did to come in contact with Jason as well as how the two of them ended up in the same room together. You want to tell me what happened down there? I take it being stabbed and frozen wasn't part of your plan. I'm a... I was a project leader at Crystal Lake Research. The subject was Jason Voorhees. Jason Voorhees? Notorious murderer. We executed him for the first time in 2008. For the first time? Mm-hmm. We tried everything. Electrocution, gas, firing squad. We even hung him once. Nothing worked. Finally, it was decided that if we couldn't terminate him, we could at least contain him. Cryogenic stasis. Freeze him until we could figure out what to do. Seems sensible. I thought so. But unfortunately, some people who were too smart for their own good felt that a creature that couldn't be killed was simply too valuable to just file away. See, it's fucking aliens. I told you, I told you, I told you. That that whole setup there, it's the same fucking thing. While they're having this conversation, and actually in scenes kind of before this, we get to see Jason make his first kill on the ship, and it is the best one of the whole film. What we get is Jason back in the lab, and of course we've forgotten some other little scenes too of the poor worker, you know, she's taking her notes on him, she actually pulls out his eye at one point, and you don't really fucking pull out Jason's eye, that's not the right way to go. And so she's busy examining the stuff that she's, uh, you know, collected from him. And she's on a microscope looking in. I guess they still use microscopes in the future, huh? Oh, boy. That future technology. Uh, So Jason comes back to life and he manages to find a brand new style machete on the table. Well, he sneaks upon her and throws her against the glass. Then... As she's struggling, and for some reason that room that she's in is completely soundproofed, he takes her head and he shoves it in liquid nitrogen, which almost instantly freezes her whole face, and at that point actually kills her instantly, I would believe. Then, to add insult to injury, he takes her whole head and he smashes it against the counter, which, because her face has been frozen by the liquid nitrogen... It completely shatters in thousands of pieces. And it actually is the best effect that they do in the entire film. I mean, most of their budget went to this fucking kill. I can tell you and almost guarantee you that. Besides the really shitty CG that we're going to see in a little while. So, after everything's been done, and there's some other dumb joke about guy saying uh, well Chandler wannabe saying he wouldn't date one of the other girls who because she has bigger balls than him but of course you know he probably really wants that robo vagina and uh, they start looking more around the ship and they find out that hey Jason is gone and uh, because they they see that they run to the body of the poor tech that was the one that was examining uh, Jason Jason, meanwhile, is on the run, and, well, not really on the run, he's on the rampage, I guess I should say, 
and he's killing people left and right. He runs into the room of the two kids that were horny as hell after they've already completed their actions, and he manages to stab the poor boyfriend through the stomach with his newly found future machete. Uh, and the girl happens to get away, even though she gets a bunch of blood sport on her from the, the poor guy. She runs into the group of people that have found the uh, you know person in the lab, and they all kind of hoard together uh, and wonder what's going on. The professor goes out to the sergeant and is trying to get his help, but he really wants the sergeant to do something else, which is take him alive, to which the sergeant really doesn't want to do. Sergeant Bryson, don't leave those kids alone. What the hell's the matter with you? We are less than an hour from Solaris. They have seven fully equipped tactical units there that are more than capable of taking care of this. I say we wait and sedate. I am taking this guy out. Sergeant, I need him alive. No, you want him alive, but what you need is to get out of my way. Look, there are other considerations. Financial considerations. My only consideration is the safety of the people on this ship. See, Sergeant here is a really good guy. And he's willing to protect everybody else on the ship before... Jason goes and kills him, but of course, Professor Guy, he keeps offering him more and more money to do what he wants him to do. Meanwhile, this is going on, and just a little bit before this scene, uh, we get to introduce into basically, the holodeck. Uh, Jason walks in on some really bad CGI monsters that a random grunt, who you got introduced to shortly when they first came on the sh ship, you actually got introduced to all the soldiers that were there, but they're not really worth being named because they're just fodder for Jason. So he's playing a game with the stoner dude, and they're playing something to do with killing these monsters, and Jason comes in and interrupts the whole game, um, and he actually kills the two in the game in what is a really crappy CG like kill slash through, and he gets confused because they're still talking. Uh, even though after they've been killed. And then it turns out that that's just a VR world that they're in. So, random grunt number one, he gets killed. And the stoner guy, he gets a, basically a heavy, heavy backbreaker. To which he gets destroyed by Jason. And then Jason, of course, moves on. So, after the conversation then between the professor and the good guy sergeant. Uh, he meets with the rest of his crew to talk about what they're going to do. And, of course... They wonder exactly what are they supposed to do when they find Mr. Voorhees. Sarge, what do we do when you find this guy? Well, I promised the doc we'd take him alive. So, after you blow him all to hell, put one on his leg so we can say we tried. <laughs> okay, see, that's why I like this guy a lot. Because he's really no-nonsense. He doesn't want to deal with the bullshit of capturing him. He just wants to blow Jason out of the fucking water. And that's the way that you gotta fucking do it. You can't just sit back and relax and expect the money to come in, you know, because you're going to capture him. The dude's un totally unfrozen. So why are you going to, unless you're going to try to freeze him again, but he's got the right idea, blow him off of his knees and just put him back on there so he looks like he's alive, but he's really not. We also get to see again uh, the Paul Giamatti stand-in, and he's in his, the engineering bay, and we get these weird, like, uh, you know, we basically get Jason Cam, and I really didn't want the engineering guy to die at this point. And right before he's about to get killed, uh, the army guys break through and he manages to actually get away from everything. Uh, and which unfortunately leaves all the army guys to get slaughtered by Jason. One by one. But now we've got, you know, again, 
this is the future, and they're using bullets. Now, I get it. Maybe some things you can't change. Maybe we'll always have bullets. But I'm pretty sure there's going to be like a pulse rifle somewhere at some point, right? Like, you're going to be able to shoot just pulse energy at people. I, I get it. There's other things and other mediums that still use guns because that's what we use in nowadays, or at least use more modern day, uh, current day weaponry. You know, machine guns or automatic rifles or handguns or whatever it is. But, you know, they still have some type of futuristic weaponry where everything in this damn film, it's all the same shit that you've been seeing all the time for the military. They just look like they put some stupid plastic uh, Nerf gun stuff on top of the actual gun to make it look like it's futuristic. But in actuality, it's still the same piece of shit that we've been doing. And future bullets still don't fucking work on Jason. So Jason, he goes all stealth. And he kills one of the guys by sneaking up behind him. They have a little bit of a karate fight, but uh, Jason ultimately just socks him in the face and knocks him on top of a a drill bit, uh, to which later on we get this lovely and corny line. Besides, we found Condor. What's his condition? He's screwed. Boo! That's a horrible fucking line. Like, okay, it's actually kind of funny when you think about it. But still, it's the cheesiest fucking thing that you could say at that point. It's one of the worst puns that you can make for this movie. So, it always seems to, like with this, at least with the army sections, Jason seems to go after the men first. Like, he takes off each one of the male soldiers one by one, and then he goes after the female soldiers. And I'm not sure if there's something to say, maybe because we've already killed a couple of female... Well, we've really only killed one, and she got the worst out of everything, right? And a majority of these kills, again, they're off-screen. Not all of them are off-screen, but some of the ones towards the middle and towards the end of the film, especially people that you want to see get it, they don't get it in the way that you want it to be done. They get killed off-screen again, just like in Part 8, and it's really kind of sad. But there are still some good on-screen kills. Jason then goes through picking off everybody one by one until ultimately he stabs a poor good guy sergeant through the stomach and not killing him for the first time, then he actually gets him with a second stabbing. It's going to take more than the poke in the ribs to put down this old dog. Yeah, that ought to do it. And that actually is pretty damn funny, especially when you see the scene. We go back to everybody that's huddled into the medical bay and bastard professor here starts talking about the sergeant now that he's been killed uh, and saying that he was too damn proud. Told him to stay calm, to wait until we got to Solaris and then we could take care of this monster. I said, don't go in unprepared. He was just too proud. Okay, no. You wanted him alive and you wanted the fucking money. That's what it really came down to. It's not about the fact that he's too damn proud. He wanted to protect everybody on this goddamn ship. And you wanted to make sure that you had enough cash to do whatever the fuck you wanted to do. Either research or bang some, you know, future slut or something like that. Uh, Go get you some, uh, I don't know, Alpha Quadrant, uh, you know girly girls somewhere I, I can't tell you where they get them in the future but uh you know earth two girls maybe go to taiwan too and go get yourself a girly boy but 
that's what you wanted. You wanted the money. You didn't care about everybody else in the ship. You're not even getting them on a list. You're just like, this is mine and mine only because it's my motherfucker. And you're a cold bastard. So who really gives a shit what happens? Also see Jason at this point kill the pilot of the ship. That creeper guy that I talked about earlier. And this is when they're trying to get into Solaris. And, you know, with all the, the troops there to help them along. Well, when he kills him, the ship kind of goes into autopilot and you get the biggest amount of deaths in a Jason movie ever because he blows up the whole goddamn station by letting the ship just run into it. Like, there's nothing happens to their ship whatsoever. I, I mean, there's probably some damages and stuff that happen, but honestly, like, nothing breaks off their ship. All it does is it runs into the damn place and then when it finishes... It leaves all the devastation behind and blows up, making it the, like I said, the biggest amount of kills that he probably has had in any movie. And it also gives the worst response from the crew. They're just like, oh, it blew up. Damn. That's literally it. There's a little more to it. Uh, I mean, the girl that was with the boy, she kind of gets a little crazy, but it's, it's just nuts. We're also back with the rest of the team. Uh, and they're, Rowan has got some type of like Jason sense now, and she can't tell of where he's at. There's the line from the trailer about sticking her head out into the audience, and uh, then all of a sudden Jason busts in from the back of the room, and we see the professor then go ahead out there and beg for his life. Hi. Look, have you considered how valuable you are? Fame, money. With my help, you can have them. Yeah, I, I know people, you know, I mean, I have connections. Together, we can, we can make a fortune. We can... Oh. 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 oh, shit. Oh. You want your machete back? Shit, it's yours, take it! <laughs> Just remember who saved it for you. Okay, he just wanted his machete back. <sighs> Which, of course, you know, the fate of our poor professor here, and it happens off screen. One of the guys that I want to see killed really, really badly because he's a fucking bastard, and I don't even get to have the satisfaction of watching him die. The group, of course, is on the run at this point from Jason, uh, but they're not running very fast. It's kind of like that they've got the camera and it's on its track. And the track was way too short or just it wouldn't move that fast. Or maybe they were like hand pulling it back. And so they can't really run that fast away from Jason. But it's like they're taking a leisurely jog as they go about it. Uh, So now they all decide that there's, you know, they're going to split up and do a couple different things. Uh, They've got to try to figure a way to get out of there. Meanwhile, the the Chandler, uh, you know, wannabe and uh, robot bitch over here, they decide that they're going to go off and get some weapons uh, while they try to get the shuttle ship ready. So the engineer and one other guy, they're going to go up to the front of the ship where the pilot was and try to open everything for that. Meanwhile, Rowan and the two other girls, uh, the one that likes to talk back a lot and the one with the lady with the with the boy that died. 
uh, they're going to go and they're going to prepare the shuttle so they can get off the ship. Uh, this, of course, uh, you know, prompts a, another awkward scene in between with, uh, you know, Robot and his fuck toy. There's enough firepower in here to level a moon. Say so we pack this stuff up and head for the shuttle. So what do you think? Are we going to make it? Well, the statistical probability of survival is 12%. 12%? Can't you come up with better odds than that? Nope. Bullshit, KM! That's bullshit! Well, preparation for launch may be a relatively simple procedure, but getting there alive? It is a problem. Are you telling me that there is absolutely no chance for us to better our odds? It's at this point that they look deeply into each other's eyes and they kiss, which brings up the probability to 53%. And then he says, oh, let's go for 100. Are you kidding me? Like you fought the entire time that you were a robot fucker and it turns out you're a robot fucker. Like you're in love with your creation and now you're going to have sex with her and that's going to make everything all right. You guys are going to be better off and you're going to manage to save the day. Uh, so we cut back to the girl group and Rowan, uh, cuts off from them while they go, the two go to the shuttle. She goes and sees what's happening in this direction because they see the two spikes that were sticking out of the wall where the sergeant was and there's no sergeant there. She goes, she actually finds out that, Hey, Bronsky's actually alive. That's great. She calls up to the, uh, the head of the ship and asks if she can get some help in getting him back, uh, to the shuttle, which, uh, you know, the, of course, the engineer guy uh, says that he can handle everything. But not before he tells us a little bit about the Microsoft conflict. Lucky you weren't alive during the Microsoft conflict. Hell, we were beating each other with our own severed limbs. Which is actually kind of funny, and this is one of the better things about the film. I'm not saying things, but like uh, one of the better ideas that they had in the film, which is relatively good and relatively funny. Uh, the fact that, you know, Microsoft caused a war. Um, and the way that everything works in the future, they can just lose limbs and uh, come back to life just perfectly fine. So other dude man catches up with Rowan, and they find out that the sergeant is gone. He's completely disappeared. The engineer gets everything all wrapped up and ready to go, and all of a sudden Jason pops up, which actually causes the girlfriend of the other guy to freak the fuck out. What's going on? Why aren't you on board? Inza won't open the door. I think that she's finally lost it, and this is a really bad time for this! So she goes crazy. Uh, poor engineer guy is finally killed by Jason by having his head shoved into a bunch of electricity uh, or electrical panels uh, there on the side. And she decides that she's going to just take off with everybody, but she doesn't detach the fuel. So ultimately, she slams the the shuttle ship into the side of the ship in one of the worst displays of CGI that I think I've seen in a while. Even from a movie back in 2001. I mean, really, I understand that you can be panicked, but... You, you really can't be that dumb and that panicked at the same time. Especially after everybody else needs to get off the ship and you're more just worried about yourself. I guess maybe that's the sense of fear that she's trying to display. But if she had just waited a second, she could have at least gotten those other four people on there. And then they could have bolted. And that would have been the end of the movie. But of course, that's not it. So, Jason then shows up. And they think that they can stop him. But of course, the gun they have is jams. But then all of a sudden... Out of the middle of nowhere, who shows up? 
why it's upgraded sex robot after she's have sex all of a sudden now she's leather cried and she's got a ton of weapons of course that can take down a moon and to start fighting off jason it's actually not a bad fight when you look at it especially for something that is a lot more fast moving than jason and jason moves like a fucking tank so they fight and Jason gets the one uh, upper hand, but Brodsky actually comes through and is able to turn the tides and allows uh, KM to completely and utterly destroy Jason. I mean, she takes off his arm, then she takes off his leg, then after she takes off his leg, she shoots him in the chest and ultimately shoots uh, what would be like a little grenade into his face and blows off most of his head. It's actually a really satisfying kill, and I think this is the other uh, part of the budget uh, for the gore effects in this movie, as this is one of the best ones there. The only thing that is kind of weird is I think that he's off in one of the labs, which uh, I'm sure is not going to come back to haunt anybody later on in the film. Yet, uh, I should say this too, it's there is barely any blood with this kill, but I guess we're killing Jason, so... Maybe it's not as bad. Now that everything's kind of going to shit, even though Jason hasn't been stopped, uh, they're still everybody's still panicking how they're going to get out when they actually get a call from somebody to say that the beacon's been received. TMS to Grendel. Do you read? Oh. TMS to Grendel. Do you read? Yes, uh, TMS, this is Grendel. We read you. Can you hear us? That's affirmative, Grendel. We are reading your distress beacon. Are you in need of assistance? Uh, that's very affirmative, TMS. How soon can you get here? Our situation is extremely critical. We're four parsecs away, Randall. ETA, 45 minutes. So this causes a problem because they really only have about 30 minutes of time left before everything goes to shit. Now, seeing as what's been going on in the other side of the hole because of what's happened with that dumb bitch that decided to uh, try to take off with the fuel line still attached, they're kind of stuck and the ship's going to probably blow up in about, like I said, 25 to 30 minutes. Now... Rowan, she comes with a great plan of why don't you just blow up all the bridges and separate the two sides and then we'll have more than enough time to go. And what made me wonder was how is this 455 year old lady that doesn't have any idea of what your society is and, you know, looking at your, your ship for just two seconds is way more smarter than you. Maybe it was the nanomachines. And also, wouldn't you move Jason's body just in case? I mean, I'm still thinking back to that whole thing that, you know, that looks like one of those medical tables and I don't know, something could happen where maybe the nanobots could come out and they could actually repair Jason and, you know, maybe you just decided that, hey, uh, just to be safe, let's move him somewhere. Let's like, or let's like throw him down like a garbage chute or something and shoot him out in fucking space all blown up and shit. He's not going to come back from that anytime soon, is he? But of course they don't. And what happens the nanobots they're there the systems realize that jason is fading and they can actually repair him and what do they do they make him even better and it took me to the credits to figure out because i thought this was cyber jason because it looks like he's all cybernetic and shit like that but no it's actually uber jason it's even worse it should have been called cyber jason it's called uber jason so Uber Jason shows up and we get the best response to Jason that I've ever heard in a movie and I could not have said it better myself. What the hell is going on? Jason fucking Borges, that's what's going on. That is perfect. I could not have said it better myself. 
the costume is a lot worse than what we were dealing with. Now, we're dealing with more of a man like Jason instead of just the outfit with the face. You know, he had the hockey mask, but he was all kind of tattered and he had like brownish instead of the blue. But now he's more like the old self in terms of the look. He's a little darker, dark blue, almost black. But his face and mask is so dumb. It's just ridiculous. Since they're stuck on this bridge now between the two ships, and they uh, KM starts fighting with Jason. And when she does, she is way overpowered by Uber Jason. And she gets her ass kicked and her head knocked off. And we get the fakest fucking mannequin head that I've ever seen in a movie. Period. And you get those weird situations too later on in the film where he's holding the head in a certain way where you can totally tell she's just got her head underneath and maybe he's wearing a green suit so they can green screen her out. And it's pretty freaking silly. But the fake head is really, really bad. Uh, and they're all kind of running away. And you think at this point, you know, Chandler wannabe picks up the head. But wouldn't you just kind of like maybe toss it at him to distract him for a second so you can get everybody out? But nope, he wants to get off. And uh, the guy, the helper guy, he gets stuck inside the tube. So they, you know, they're still going at it. Uh, and they all lock themselves on the other side. And they're like, no, there's no way we can blow it up because only the guy's there. We've got to save him. And, of course, he sacrificed himself to blow everybody up. Uh, but Jason, instead of being blown into space, uh, he's able to stay somewhat close by and punches his fist through the side of the hole, which causes a vacuum. And the bitchy girl from most of the time where she's been, she's been the other person that's been panicking most of the time and really just kind of get off. And she's been the wisecracker making the most jokes in the movie that are really awful and horrible. Well, she gets her one last line of the movie before she's sucked into space. And then she gets killed off screen. I would have loved to seen her sucked through the grate. They show like pieces of skin and stuff there, but you don't really see anything. You just see her fucking die off screen. So they, uh, the three of them now, so it's basically just Sergeant Brodsky. It's, well, I should say four. It's Chandler wannabe. It's Rowan and it's the head of uh, KM. And they're running away and they get to the hatch where the Tiamat is going to hook themselves up to and it's going to finally save them. They can get off this goddamn ship and away from Jason Voorhees. Well, the problem is, is that now uh, it's not working right. So they're going to have to go. Well, Sergeant Brodsky is going to have to go Ava. Her exterior motor's got no power. What does that mean? Means I'm going EVA. EVA, what's EVA? It's a spacewalk. If you can jump the lines out there, we can reroute them from in here. Hopefully that door will open and we can get off this thing before it blows the hell up. Sounds like a good plan. Tiamat, this is Grendel. Our escape hatch is jammed. We're going EVA to try to patch it up. You'd better get a move on. So they decide uh, that Sergeant Brodsky is going to go outside and walk on the ship and do the same thing. Meanwhile, Jason is just coming after them. And we now get my favorite scene of the movie. The one that still makes me laugh and is perfect we get to see Chandler, the Chandler wannabe, create a virtual world in that virtual reality system of Camp Crystal Lake from the 1980s, where he's approached by two lovely ladies uh, that are going to basically trick him into killing them. Whoops. What do you mean, whoops? Nothing. Not nothing. You don't just say oops. What oops? I think he saw me. 
If you've got something brilliant up your sleeve, now's the time to do it. I got something. I got something. Repair variations using data file Crystal Lake 1980. Okay? Here goes nothing. Initiate. <laughs> hey, you want a beer? Or do you want to smoke some pot? Or we can have premarital sex. <laughs> we love premarital sex. It's something that you actually got to see, and it's something I wish I could do clips of, but because of the nudity, I really don't want to fight it. Uh, but it's pretty damn funny, and it's definitely the best scene. And it's a callback to the original things of what Jason stood for. So he does get distracted for a bit, and he actually kills these girls in the second best way of the film. Uh, even though they're holograms, they still die, damn it. Uh, by <laughs> taking the sleeping bags crushing one over the other, and then taking that sleeping bag and slamming it against a tree. Outside, uh, our good old sergeant has managed to fix the, the hull, uh, which allows them to go into, uh, start getting into the Tiamat. Meanwhile, though, Jason's already killed everybody from the holograms and starts realizing where he needs to go and comes after them. They're able to get away, but uh, right before Jason's going to go after them, Sergeant Brodsky knocks Jason out of the way. And they are now, so in the ship itself, is just Rowan, the head of KM, and the Chandler wannabe. Sergeant Brodsky and Jason, they look like they're about to start facing off, but then you get a really quick cut of the camera, which fucking sucks, because I would have liked to see them fight just for a little bit. It would have been cool to see maybe them throw each other around, or whatever, you know, Uber Jason. I understand he's probably a lot stronger than regular Jason. He's probably going to beat the shit out of the sergeant. But still, to have them maybe fight before the explosions happen, of course, explosion just happens right away. And that's the end of that. And you're looking at the two out, uh, the two of them inside the spaceship looking out at the explosions. But what do we see in the distance? Uh, as, And this is the funniest, dumbest movie, part of the movie that uh, there is, period. Uh, you see Jason in the distance flying at the Tiamat uh, and he's flying forward with his machete out and both of them just have this look on their face like oh my fucking god won't he ever die and right before he's about to get to the ship again Sergeant Brodsky he comes in and he saves the day he knocks Jason out and starts veering him towards earth uh, to hopefully maybe make him burn up into the atmosphere Uh, the two of them they look on and they realize that it's finally over and they're going to be able to go home. Of course, there's not really a home for Rowan. But I guess she's going to spend her days with poor old Chandler and KM when KM finally gets her body back. The last scenes in the movie is Jason plummeting to or what I believe would be to be Earth 2 uh, with uh, poor Sergeant Brodsky on his back. As they're flying, it cuts down to the planet where there's two lovers looking up, seeing it, thinking there's a shooting star. We get a couple lines of dialogue and then the end of our film. Make a wish. We landed in the lake. Let's go check it out.
And there you have it. The best Jason film since Friday the 13th Part 3. I mean, honestly, there are parts of this movie that do not hold up whatsoever. And a lot of it really pertains mostly to the dialogue and some of the effects that they use. Especially for the monsters like in the video game and when they cut the guys open when they're in the video game. It's really bad. And some of the effects on the outside when they're doing the stuff in space. And I like that there's some practical effects still with things exploding uh, but for the most part, they just don't hold up as much. And Jason's Uber Jason outfit looks kind of like crap, to be honest with you. But at the same time, there is a lot to like in this movie. And the biggest reason that I think I like this film so much is that it's tongue in cheek. It never takes itself seriously. You can watch it and just fucking enjoy it. You know, it's bad. You know, it's going to be bad. This is one of those. It's so good. It's bad, but nostalgic filters probably have made this film what i remember it to be a lot better than what i just recently rewatched. so it's it's still a good bad horror movie it's just not as good as i remembered it when i first saw it like well when i first saw it actually to be honest with you i hated this film i thought it was the dumbest thing ever and it took until the second time i saw it that i really realized what they were going for and that this was just an excuse to put jason in space to be honest right i mean it's pretty clear to see that there's no other reason why would you do this what's the point of having this done it makes absolutely no sense in terms of the friday the 13th franchise other than hey let's just have fun with movie because supposedly he was dead you know back in jason goes to hell the final friday and never call anything the final whatever okay it, it, you know you're going to make more films regardless. So, overall, I, I give this the gore in this film, it's a 3 out of 5. When it's good, it's really good. The The face-smashing scene is great. The arm getting chopped off in the beginning of the movie is great. Jason's death scene is pretty cool, the way that they did it, especially when they exploded his head and everything like that. But again, a lot of the kills happen off-screen. I mean, the guy falling on the drill was actually kind of cool, too. And, uh, you know, it's something that I think that with more, more of a budget, uh, it could have been great. It could have been really great. And it was better. It's better than from nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, when they started going, even though they're rated R still more of like a PG 13 type kill, you know, what would be nowadays PG 13, then it would still probably have been R, but it's like a return to form for Jason's killing spree it just he kills a bunch of people off screen in this film fun it's a five out of five it's constant action once jason starts doing something you don't have to worry about backstory you don't have to worry about learning about characters or caring about characters everybody's just fucking fodder it just we get a couple characters that we care for and not really i really don't give a shit about rowan i don't give a crap about the professor though that's the one kill i wish i'd seen on the scene on the screen you know, uh, they build up Sergeant Brodsky in a way that you kind of see him as this badass and care for him. But when he kind of dies, quote unquote, in the middle of the film, I really didn't give a shit. I'm like, oh, OK, well, he's just another guy that fucked up. Like, you really don't care. Even the shitty love story between shitty Chandler and the robot, you don't care about. You don't care what's going on. They kind of try to make you feel that way. And I think that's the wrong way to go about things, at least for this type of movie. But... It's constant action throughout. Everything is constantly happening. They're constantly running away from him. You're in a small, closed, claustrophobic face or space, I should say, not face. 
Uh, and it's really it's really fun. I, I really enjoy that part of it. The crap factor is three out of five. It's totally tongue in cheek. It's really crappy. They could have done better, but they hired people that you know this. There a lot of them. It's a one and done type of deal. But for the most part, you know they know that this is a shitty movie that they're going to be in. So it's really tongue in cheek. Overall, I'm going to give this movie four Uber Jasons out of five. I would give it a five out of five, and it almost got the highest rating that I've ever given on this podcast. Uh, nostalgia filter is what really is keeping this film from being a five out of five. There are things I cannot escape from this movie, and uh, we just have to live with it is basically what it comes down to. So if you like uh, the Friday the 13th films, I do suggest that uh, if you go to cinemasker.com and you go to the Monster Madness page... There is for, uh, I think it was either the sequel-a-thon or the 80s-a-thon. I can't remember which one it was. But he does a really great, uh, James Rolfe, uh, who you know is the angry video game nerd, does a really great synopsis of all of the Jason films, including Jason X, I believe. And I think he does, he does a little vignette on Freddy vs. Jason. And they're just really straightforward. If you really want to kind of get a quick uh, review of everything, I totally suggest listening or watching those videos. Myself, uh, I actually put up a top five, uh, my favorite kills from Jason X. I put a little video together. It's just a little shitty thing with clips uh, where you can check it out on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash terrible terror podcast. And you can see the video of uh, the, the best kills in the movie as I've ranked them. Now, some might say one needs to be before the other, or how did I forget this one? I want to do a top ten, but there just isn't enough to fulfill it, and some of them I don't believe need to be on that top ten. So, uh, the next week, we are going to stay in space for the next one, where we're going to go check out the 2010 film that tried to reboot a franchise as well. What's the last thing you remembered? All of a sudden there was a light, and then I was falling. Who are you? I was supposed to be executed two days ago. And I was in combat. So was I. Black ops. Who would do this to us?
That's right. We're going to look at the Robert Rodriguez produced, starring Topher Grace, Lawrence Fishburne, and Adrian Brody, Predators from 2010. Now, I decided to go with Predators because I've never seen it before. I wanted to go with Predator 2 because Predator 2 is not as good as Predator. Uh, But I think it still has some redeeming qualities to it uh, that would kind of leave a middle ground. And I've never seen Predators before. So I decided our next episode will be Predators. Um, And I wanted to do something a little more recent, too. I haven't done a more recent film in quite a while. I've been kind of staying in the 80s and the 90s for quite a bit. So look forward to that for the next episode. Of course, you can always follow the podcast on Twitter. It's T underscore T underscore podcast. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash terrible terror podcast, uh, where I have some videos, a little mini video review. I try to put up as many clips as I can for the movies before I talk about them and you listen to the podcast. Um, and then, uh, you know, you can always email the podcast at terrible terror podcast at gmail.com. Send us your ideas, or if you have anything that you'd like me to just check out, or you want to have a conversation, anything like that would be great. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to doing uh, some things uh, in the next couple of months that hopefully will be special as well. So next time uh, with Predators, I believe you can find it on iTunes uh, as well as Amazon Instant uh, for rent. Um, there's you know there's plenty of other ways to, to watch it as well, uh, which I will leave that up to you guys. So for... Uh, Thank you guys for listening. Sorry for the voice. uh, And hopefully by the next episode, I'll be back to normal. So take care. Bye. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.